Good morning. Let's go to the Lord in word of prayer again. Brother Troy, lead us. Amen. Revelation 21. Revelation 21. Good word, Hunter. The beginning a little rocky, but... I thought I was the one to get up here and put my foot in my mouth. <laughs> At least I ain't insulting the pastor. <laughs> oh. All right. Revelation 21. <clears throat> Who remembers what we talked about last time? Anybody? The, yeah, the gates and the... City, yes, that's right, the city. So let's read a little bit. Uh, it'll give us a way of uh, light review, and then we'll read a couple of verses that we're going to talk about today if I don't run a rabbit. So Revelation chapter 21, we'll read uh, verse 9 through the rest of the chapter. Now there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away into the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. And her light was likened to a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a wall great and high, had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. And on the east three gates, and on the north three gates, and on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he talked with me, and he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, twelve thousand furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. And he measured the wall thereof, and 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of the angel. And the building of the wall of it was of jasper. And the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third a chalcedony, the fourth, an emerald, the fifth, sardonyx, the sixth, sardius, the seventh, chrysolite, the eighth, beryl, the ninth, a topaz, the tenth, a chrysoprasus, the eleventh, a jacinth, the twelfth, an amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, as it were, transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there is no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it and there shall in no wise enter into it 
anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. All right, so you remember last time we talked about this city. We've talked about maybe what shape it was. We've talked about the size. We've talked about the walls. We've talked about all these stones. Some of them we, we might know what it is. Some of them we might not know. Some of them we don't know um, exactly what they were. Now, I think the last thing we talked about was the pearls. And so we talked about how God has spared, I'm going to say it, I don't even think this really makes sense. He spared no expense in this city um, and, and what it is. We've also tried to hammer home the idea that this is not heaven. This is a city coming down from God out of heaven and that its streets are gold. And I know we, uh, I, all as a kid, I've said this last time, we always say heaven's streets are made of gold. Well, that's not what it says. It says the city streets are made of gold. Doesn't tell us a lot about actually what we know of as heaven. Maybe its streets are made of gold too. I don't know. <laughs> but the Bible says here that this is where we get that, that the city's streets are made of gold. Now, they're clear. I think it said uh, transparent glass. Um, we talked about that too, how, you know, we, we don't even, we, we don't know. We, the gold we have here and all the artist representations is yellow. There's a yellow tint to it. Of course, it has to. How are you going to draw something and color it in that's transparent? Okay? And I don't even know exactly all that that could mean. Um, because it talks about the walls being jasper, clear, transparent. So there's a lot of that going on. It's beautiful. So you can just sum up those five or six verses there and just say, hey, this is, this is, this is a beautiful place. And I believe it's our home. There's a lot of debate, and, and we might get into that a little bit. We've already got into it some. There's a, delo- a lot of debate. Who's going to live here? Who's going to dwell here? Whose homes are here in this city? Because there's heaven. There's this city. And there's a new heaven and a new earth. And those are three separate things. Maybe we're going to go back and forth. We don't know. Oh, no. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Whose name is on the 12th foundation? Oh, well, that's a, that's a, yeah, that's a good question. Do you have a, an opinion? Did you hear what he said, Mr. David? The foundations are the names of the 12 apostles. Well, whose name is on the 12th? If you take Paul as being, Paul stated that he was an apostle chosen out of time, mm-hmm. born out of time. Yeah. So, and we didn't even cover that. Matter of fact, now that I think about it, those couple of books that I read don't even address it. I've heard this before, and a lot of debate I've heard is over, okay, so maybe I'm jumping ahead. Here's what Jim's question is. Thank you for this. <laughs> Jim's question is, there's 12 apostles. One of the, one, each name is on one foundation. But we know that Judas, we know his name's not on one. So Jim's question is, whose name is on the 12? And all the debate I've ever heard, y'all may have heard something else, is that it's either Paul or it's, um, I'm going blank. Is it Matthias? Matthias. That's right. So, you know, they cast lots. 
They got together and, you know, right or wrong, um, the apostles cast lots for that 12th spot to fill Judas's place. And the lot was found to be upon Matthias, and they bring him into the group. And we hear nothing about him again. That doesn't mean it wasn't right. It might have been right. Maybe they got ahead. There's a lot of debate about that. Um, I'd say don't worry about it too much because we don't know. So don't get caught up in that. Um, Even if all logic in my mind points to one thing, I could still be wrong. (laughs) Um, But there is a lot of debate over, is is Paul's name there? Um, Because he did say that he was an apostle born out of due time. Yeah. No, no, me either. And yeah, yeah. Jim said it was quicksand. I don't know if you heard that or not, but Jim said it was quicksand. Like, I mean, you can get in there and study that, and yeah, I mean, people are gonna have different opinions if they comment on it at all. Um, yes, ma'am. Y'all just come sit right here. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, sit here. Well, you know, that's fine. Or you can just teach. I mean, I'll just go back there with Andrew. Be just fine, especially when we get questions like this. But uh, I'm kidding. That's, that's, it's very interesting. I mean, um, so there's 12 names or 13. <laughs> It's a beautiful city. I just said, let's sum up those five or six verses. It's, it's beautiful. And there's things there that I thought we can't even imagine. Um, we, we don't know. So, but this is, our, this is our eternal home here, I think. Um, in my opinion, it is. And so, as we move on from the actual city, what it's made of, and the construction materials, and things like that, um, we're going to move into a couple of other things, and I, I want to go to another portion of Scripture that um, we actually read in the, in the prayer room today. But just know that as we move on to this, I mean, I don't know how, many pay, I don't know how big your print is, but I mean, I got, I, got like, I got like half a page left, and we're done. And how long that takes, I can't promise you. <laughs> but I will say that it starts wrapping up real quick. There's things that are going to be said that there's just, I mean, there's no real commentary on. Um, It's just there. And so there's some things also that I don't understand completely. And I don't mind saying that. So look at, uh, let's look at verse 22. We're moving away from the construction materials and the walls and, and all that into some other things of the city here. Revelation 21, 22 says, and I, and I saw no temple therein. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. So there will be no temple here to speak of physically as we think of it, a temple. Because he just said there will be no temple and then he said there is one. <laughs> but he's saying there's not going to be a temple like we've known in the past. Uh, one made with hands. 
So what is the importance of that? Now, think of this. So, you know, as you study your Bible, in the Old Testament, of course, they had the temple and they had the sacrifices and all they did there. Um, And then we know that the temple was destroyed and they're waiting to rebuild it and they will rebuild it. And then we saw in Revelation at one point that the heaven was open and we saw the temple there. And there's some things we're about to read here in Hebrews that talk about those two things. But now we see there's no temple. So what's, what's the importance here of this, you think? Anybody have an idea, a comment? What was the temple for? Go ahead. I think one, maybe not the, I don't know if you'd say the main importance there or not, but one of the, one notable thing I think is that this is the point where the barrier between God and man has been removed completely and forever. Good. It's true. So God's removed that barrier, right? Okay. Who else? So no more of that. No more sacrifices. So what was the temple for in the Old Testament? Now you had the tabernacle, too, and then you had the temple that came along. Well, what was the tabernacle for in the wilderness? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. The temple was a permanent structure, and the Holy of Holies represented God's dwelling place on earth. Yeah. Now, when moving forward to this point, this is the fulfillment of I will dwell with them. Yeah, which goes to what I'm, I'm trying to get to. So the, I think if you split up to what the tabernacle and the temple were for, it was for two purposes. One was communion, and one was for that sacrificial system that they did and here we don't need that anymore we're going to go to hebrews and read but there's been made one sacrifice for sins forever we don't need that stuff anymore and god dwells with his people here so we don't need that those functions of the temple as we think of it the physical temple the physical tabernacle are not needed anymore it's fulfilled in jesus christ and that's what a couple of chapters in Hebrews talks about. Now, a lot of people, we're, I, I don't know, it, a lot of people, I've heard people say, oh, I, I just wish I could see that glory coming. They want to go back to that. The Israelite people can't wait to get their temple built so that they can go back to that. I don't want any part of that. <laughs> Right, yeah, and we'll get off in that a little bit in just a minute too, so I don't want to go too far with that just yet. Um, But the the temple, as beautiful as it might have been, I I don't want any part of that. I don't think we understand the labor that was put on these people by the law 
and by these sacrificial systems that we don't have to deal with anymore because it's been fulfilled in Christ. You remember when they dedicated that thing, what'd they do? They got all this stuff in there, and I'm summing up a lot. And they took hyssop and dipped it in blood, and they sprinkled everything. And then they sprinkled the people. And they had specific things they had to do at specific times. And only one man was allowed to enter into that presence. Well, we have him dwelling inside of us. Why, why go back to that? You don't see these things. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, can't, they can't get past that. They, they can't get past the law of Moses. <laughs> that's, that's their God. And they will tell you that. No, you're right, you're right. Yeah, and, but we pervert everything we touch. I was talking to somebody, it may have been Brother Dustin last Sunday, and we talked about these stones here that had made up and how pure they were. And could we have that here? We can't because as soon as we lay our hands on it, it's impure. We can't, you can't put it in a vessel made by hands and it become this pure. Everything we touch, everything we touch... Yeah, yeah, and I don't know that there's not some of that because all they do, why, when you think about, um, you know, there, there's, there's some thoughts on why God hid the body of Moses. If you remember, God hid the body of Moses. I don't know where it is. And people ask why. I don't know why. But one reason why could be that they would have worshipped that thing which they do with the law of Moses. And they put a whole lot of importance on a physical temple. And so I think also that is saying that that stuff is not, our focus is going to be on him. And it should be on him. And he's the center of it all. And he's the fulfillment of it all. Um, We don't need that anymore. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 9. This is where I said we might run a rabbit. We might not. I want to read a few verses here. Just talking about this temple. And don't, don't, uh, don't get bogged down. I mean, if you read this too fast, you, you, won't get a whole lot of, you won't get a lot out of it. You have to read it slow. Look at Hebrews chapter 9. Then verily, the first covenant, no, let's see. Yeah, we'll start there. Then verily, the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made, the first, wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold, 
wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant. It's a pretty good study to go back and, and study the, the history of the Ark of the Covenant too. Um, at different times, what might or might not have been in there when they found that thing. It's, it's pretty interesting, so go back and do that sometime. And over it, the cherubims of glory, shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly. What's he saying? What's Paul? I'm going to say Paul every time, so if you don't agree, it's okay. But I'm going to say Paul. What's he saying there? Yeah, he said, we don't even know what they look like. No, we cannot tell you what the cherubims look like. So he says, we can't speak of that particularly. Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the heirs of the people. And I know just recently, I don't remember when it was, somebody was talking about that bell that they would put on the ankle of that, <laughs> that, that high priest and that rope that they would put on him. So that if he went in there and did something that he wasn't supposed to and God struck him dead, they could pull him out of there. I don't want none of that. Jesus is better than that. And that's what, about, that's what Hebrews is all about. Jesus is better. A better sacrifice, a better temple, better than Moses. All this stuff. Hebrews is a great book. Um, I forgot where I was. I think I was at the end of verse 7. Uh, he offered for himself and for the heirs of the people. The Holy Ghost, this signifying. So what did, what did that mean? He's about to tell us. That the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that should not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks and divers' washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. But Christ, that is, a, that is as transitional as a phrase as you will ever read what is but? What, 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 what is that? It's a conjunction. What does it do? It's different than and. It's different than or. What does but do? This is going to be a contrast here. We have this that he's telling us about. Now he's about to tell us about a different way. But Christ changed everything. It changed everything. Being come and high priest of good things to come. He has to be a priest. You know, I'm sure you're familiar with him being a prophet, a priest, and a king. And he has to be all three. If he's not a priest, he cannot handle the blood. He is come and high priest. Being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle. Not made with hands. That's to say, not of this building. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place. Not year after year, time after time, once. Having obtained eternal redemption for us. 
4. If the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, those things did some good. They sanctified to the purifying of the flesh. They were not perfect. God said, do it. And so they did it. But they were not perfect. But it says, if those things, all the blood, all the ashes, all the sprinkling, sanctify to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. There's the Trinity. Christ, through the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of a testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. You know what I think about right there? I think about when Peter put his hands on him. Jesus said, I'm going to die. And Peter put his hands on him and said, be it far from thee, Lord. I'm not going to let that happen. And what did Jesus say to him? Anybody remember? It was, it was something else. Anybody remember? Get thee behind me, Satan. For thou art an offense unto me. Thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. Those guys didn't want him to die. And I'm going to tell you what, I wouldn't have either. But he had to. That's what this is talking about. He had to die. He was born to die. We heard a song about it. We heard a sermon on it Wednesday night. Born to die. He had to die. Whereupon neither the first testament, this is verse 18, was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet, wool and hyssop, and sprinkled the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined to you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by, law, by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these. He's saying that tabernacle, that that, that he's speaking to us of was a pattern of the truth. Purified with these. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself. Now to appear in the presence of God. Now what if he'd put a period right there? I mean, those last two words ain't even in italics. <laughs> they were not even added. He has appeared. I've lost my place. <laughs> Where am I at? Let's see. 
Okay, yeah, 24. He has appeared in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often. No, sir. As the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then must he have suffered since the have often suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once, in the end of the world, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Paul just told us that Jesus came into the world at the end of the world. Now, time's got to be running out. It has to be. Because he said, Jesus, now I don't know how much longer it's going to go. Don't get me wrong. But Paul said, now once at the end of the world, Jesus has appeared to die, basically, and be that sacrifice. He came at the end of the world. For then must he, oh, I've already read that. And it is appointed unto men once to die. But after this, the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him, Shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation? And then over in verse 10, look at, uh, look at verse 11. And we're almost done here. And then I guess we've got to go. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, who? Yeah, we've got to identify him, this man, Christ, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. I'm going to start with this verse. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Who are them that are sanctified? You ask for a raise of hands? <laughs> what does that verse say about you? I want somebody to tell me. The last verse we read. You just said you were sanctified. What does that verse say about you? That last verse we read. No, you are chosen, yeah. What is the verse? What does that verse say? I want the words from that verse. Verse 14. I'm finna call on somebody. He has what? Perfected forever. So if you're sanctified, you're perfected forever. It may not feel like it now. In his eyes, we are. And it's as good as happened. Now, you can, I guess I can relate, I I guess I can relate it to, I don't want to dampen the mood, but I guess I can relate it to deer hunting. Now, you say, go Warren, he's up in the tree stand. Here comes a buck out. He pulls back. He hits it right on spot. Smoked him. That deer could run 30 yards. It could run 50 yards. It could run 100 yards. But if he truly got him in that sweet spot, guess what? He's as good as dead. There are things that may happen from the point he hit him to the point that that is fulfilled, okay, that make you think that ain't right. You may think he's not going to die. 
but he is. And it's just like that with us. He has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Them that are saved. It's as good as done. Now, that doesn't mean we live a sinless life. Oh, no. (laughs) No way. But in the eyes of God, when he sees us, he sees his son. And I'm glad he does. I'm glad he does. So, we got one verse. (laughs) There's no temple there. And I'm glad there's no temple there. Christ is a more perfect tabernacle, is a more perfect temple. And all these things are fulfilled by him, and he will dwell with his people. There's no need for sacrifice anymore, and he's there with us. We will have that communion. All right, Jim, you want to dismiss us?